Ladies and gentlemen, now it's too late with Alan Mosley. Guys, welcome back for another episode of It's Too Late. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined once again this week by the now number one producer in late night, Sherry Voluntary. Sherry, how are you doing? I'm pretty great, actually. You doing, all, doing all right? I'm doing all right. Has, every, has everything thawed out out there? Yeah, you know, we didn't get the winter wonderland that you guys got, so. You bastard. <laughs> I know. How dare you? Well, anyway, you know, I, I wanted to mention so, so that we don't forget. First of all, guys, it's it's at the time of this recording, it's it's what's today? It's Mar- March 3rd, whatever the day is that we air this damn show. Yeah. But pretty soon we'll, it will be March 20th which means you got to get your tickets to the It's Too Late 2021 live show. That's coming Saturday, March 20th. You're, what, that's, that's just over two weeks. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, it's not far at all. Yeah, you have to get tickets. You have to get your tickets. It's going to be from 7 to 10, which that's kind of a lie. We're going to be there before that. And then at, at 9.59, we'll actually physically remove everyone from the premises. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> But there's going to be there's going to be a dessert bar. There's going to be live music and, of course, camaraderie with all sorts of like minded Liberty people, just like we had an episode 100. Guys, that's March 20th at our studios just south of Nashville. Got to get your tickets so you can go to Facebook.com slash Alan Mosley TV. Click on events or you can go to my website, which is Alan Mosley TV. Go click on the little event tab thing. It's going to take you to Eventbrite. Guys, bring it in, guys. You got to get your tickets. Because I've got a lot of, so I've had a few more people buy their tickets and, and I, and I love the people that have, but we've had, we have way more people like in our new private community group talking to each other about their plans for the trip that don't have tickets. What, you know, what's going to, you know what this means is that these, these people are going to be like having a powwow out in the parking lot in front of the studio, <laughs> visiting with one another saying, oh, it's so great you came. Let's, and then they're all going to go to Waffle House and yeah. leave us at the studio. Or, or they're going to try to come in later than when we shut everything down to start recording and wonder why they can't Ooh, get in. That's a very good point. You know, we're yeah. trying to record a, in front of a live studio audience and all that. And, and to be in like, honestly, guys, it's the the like the party space that we have for seating and stuff is not that big um so we have to we got to close up the doors it's kind of like if you you know how like if you go to see like a live play or whatever like the ushers don't just have people running up and down the aisles in the middle of the show right so when when it comes time to start the show like we'll open the doors at six or something come seven o'clock we're locking those doors because we got to tape the show um, so yeah, there's not going to be, so that's why you got to get your tickets ahead of time. Honestly, I don't even think we're going to operate a door to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I, I think you, yeah. Get your so. tickets. So we know who to give the information that you will need to. As well. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then another thing that I don't want to forget is there was a handful of birthdays this week of some of the just, I mean, obviously because they're fans of this show, some of just the best and brightest Wackadoo. individuals. <laughs> Thanks for ruining the illusion of, of appreciation and goodwill that I tried to establish here. But anyway, so our resident pun master, Andrew Avery's birthday, was this week. Yay! And, and I already wished Andrew a happy birthday, but there was one that, that actually I let slip. So a former guest on this show, Clay Davis, oh. his birthday was this past week. I think, I think he turned the big 3-0... So we wish Clay Davis a happy birthday. 
And so I told Clay, since I forgot his birthday, we're going to do a whole segment on the show as an homage to Clay. Aww. So Clay, Clay had posted the shopping cart theory on his Facebook. Now, some of you guys might be aware of this. We'll, we'll go through this. The shopping cart theory is kind of like a test for self-governance in a free society based on if people would return their shopping cart. So I'm going to read this for you. The shopping cart is the ultimate litmus test for whether a person is capable of self-governing. To return the shopping cart is an easy, convenient task and one which we all recognize as the correct, appropriate thing to do. I do want to say really quick, the fact that it's not super convenient is why some people don't do it. That's the only, right. that's the only problem I have with that statement. There are no situations other than dire emergencies in which a person is not able to return their cart. Simultaneously, it is not illegal to abandon your shopping cart. Therefore, the shopping cart presents itself as the apex example of whether a person will do what is right without being forced to do it. No one will punish you for not returning the shopping cart. No one will fine you or kill you for not returning the shopping cart. You gain nothing, however, by returning the shopping cart. You must return the shopping cart out of the goodness of your own heart. You must return the shopping cart because it is the right thing to do, because it is correct. A person who is unable to do this is no better than an animal, an absolute savage who can only be made... I know, it got really dark. Judgy. Yeah, I know. Who can only be made to do what is right by threatening them with a law and the force that stands behind it. The shopping cart is what determines whether a good person, or, or if, if a person is a good or bad member of society. So, hmm. so I will admit, I got a little bit heavy there <laughs> at, at the end. But I figured we'll, we'll spend the rest of the monologue kind of talking about this for a minute or two before we take our first break. So I get I get what it's trying to say is mm -hmm. that it's it's just better on every like let's like physically what is the shopping cart? So you got to have your shopping cart to push your groceries around. Um, you know, the company can have, you know, Publix can have cart attendants which they do to collect carts because a lot of people won't do this as a matter of fact. Um, but I you know, I I would even I would even make the stipulation of like you can eat like we're okay with you just taking the shopping cart to the little cart receptacles out in the parking lot. You don't even have to bring it all the way back to the door because right. some people won't even do that. Right. Some people will like, you know how they do, they'll just prop it up on the grass yes. next to where they're parked, you know, or just leave it in a parking space. So if you've ever been trying to park and there was a cart blocking a parking space you wanted, then you were negatively affected by someone not doing the shopping cart theory. Mm -hmm. uh, if you've ever been at a store and they were running low on carts or, or buggies or whatever, and, or you were having to wait, you know, someone else is coming up and you're having to take theirs, then you were negatively affected by the, the, the carts not being returned. Um, I mean, one could even go so far as to say if the company has to hire lot attendants and that drives up their their overhead, right. then if you pay even a penny more for anything, because they have to hire a lot of attendants, then, then, you know, it's like the, the tragedy, right? That everyone right. has been adversely affected because some people right. won't return the cards. So, 
Let me let me pose you this though, Sherry. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn this over to you because that's just I know that's just what you want. It's to deal with a deep philosophical question right before a commercial break. Of course. <laughs> but what should we do with the people who can't return their cards? Hmm. Is flogging them publicly okay? <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on what your HOA says. <laughs> Where <laughs> I, I can we know. build these walls? Yeah, I. I, for one, I think, you know, most of the time that goes off to the baggers, like the people who just used to be bagging your groceries have a lot more responsibility now. And that's part of their responsibility. But two, mm -hmm. if you think about it, that out of all the people that say shop at Kroger every day, mm -hmm. you know, most of those carts end up going back. And and when I was young, they didn't have the the little cart corrals out in the parking lot that you had yeah. to put your buggy, mm -hmm. you had to take it back to the store or leave it in the parking lot. And my mom always made us take it back to the store. We would like push it in the door, you know, like and mm -hmm. go off, you know, you wouldn't like necessarily put it all the way back, but <laughs> um so they, this is their response to trying to make it more convenient for people. And they some people still won't do it. Well, it, it, so it goes to show, and the only reason I put you on the spot there, by the way, is it, it just goes to show that, because really there's two different kind of aspects to this. One, there's the, there's the literal return the cart, let's evaluate who is and isn't returning the cart. This is a test on whether or not they would be a good neighbor. They'd be a good addition to your community. So the, one, the, so up front there's the evaluation, but then there's, there's kind of the seedy underbelly to that question, which is, okay, now we've identified some people that aren't. Right. Now what? Because, of course, I mean, as the as the exercise says that, I mean, as as the world is now, you know, it, nothing's going to happen to those people for abandoning right. their carts. Um, but it, it kind of I mean, I, I don't I don't want to get like too deep in like the monologue here, but it, it, <laughs> it but it does go to show that, you know, you want to associate with people that are like minded, that share your values and your principles and you want to have right. a community of those people. And we believe in people being able to establish said communities. We, we believe in free travel. Mm -hmm. we, we, we don't believe in imaginary borders like states like to impose. Right. But we do believe in people associating with one another or choosing not to associate with one another. Right. And so there, there is kind of a question there for, for the anarchists out there to say, well, but how, how will we make it happen? Mm -hmm. Because it's, any, any type of enforcement of any type of rule will always come under scrutiny of, are we just, are we just a one way train right back to where we right. were with some governing body, you know, oppressing some right. group of people. You, you know how Aldi does it. They, you have to mm -hmm. put your little quarter in their cart to Ooh. get a cart. And to get your quarter back, you have to put it back. I mean, that's so an that, incentive, right? So, so you're being taxed for your transgression just, if just you... Just temporary. Like, you get that money back. You're just, it's just they're mm -hmm. holding it in trust for you in the cart until you put it back and you get your quarter. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's interesting. You know, you know what's funny, too, is that there's some people who, like, if there's kind of a stripped-down... Uh, business that they don't offer a lot of amenities, they do that because that's overhead. And yes. so, you know, a wholesale type place might be able to offer rock bottom prices, but it's generic brand stuff. It's not the newest threads. It's, you know, they, they don't have a bunch of people right. waiting on you hand and foot. And so, but but more choices is good though, right. right? Like we believe more options is good. If you want to be weighted on hand and foot, I actually heard some people because yeah. far be it for me. I know that we're we have a guest this evening, and so we're pressed for time again. So naturally, <laughs> I'm going to go on another rant. 
So I actually heard some people talking recently about the practice of tipping in America and how it's uh -huh. different in different places and that, you know, those greedy capitalists in the States, right. they don't pay people what they're worth. And so you really got to tip them because if you don't tip them, then they'll just starve. They go hungry. And, and I don't, and I don't really, I don't, I don't want to get too deep in all that, but just simply to say though, that again, there are those people that think, well, I don't tip at McDonald's. Ergo, I'm not going to tip at the fancy steakhouse for $100 dinners. <laughs> and there's some people, that's just that's just how they feel. Right. And of course, obviously, if you're their waiter, you hate them with every fiber of your being. Right. And, but, but the point being is, is that if you were to try to explain to them without just knocking their teeth out for being... <laughs> jerk offs right you're, you're you're trying to explain to them well again we we like having choices and one choice for dinner is mcdonald's where you're going to get some cheap burger and fries right. and there's not going to be i mean heck w once they get done fighting for 15 you're not going to have anyone waiting right. on you much less at your table you're just going to go order at a yeah the robot's going to take your order and you're going to pick up your tray <laughs> and you're done yeah but you expect a certain level of we'll say affordability because i'm being nice yeah um in exchange for you're not going to get a lot of that hand and foot waiting. Yeah. Vice versa, you absolutely expect at the fine dining establishment. Boy, if you even so much as bend over to tie your shoe, when you come back, your drink is full. Yes. You know, right there, just Johnny on the spot. Right. And but you you expect that because of what you're paying, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. You and so it kind of it's a quid pro quo that on the one hand, they they're kind of expecting you to tip because that's sort of a customary. Right. But vice versa, you're expecting them to offer great service in exchange for the prices right. you're paying at that place. So there's nothing wrong with that, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But we are absolutely surrounded by people who maybe don't share our opinions yeah. on these aforementioned subjects we just said. They're thoughtless. And the, and the answer for those people is to visit euthanasia.com to get the information they need <laughs> to make the right choice. I visited and I got the information that was right for me. <laughs> well, I'm glad the information that was right for you was to stick around for more and more episode. Guys, we will be right back with the meme of the week in the viewer mail right after this. Don't go away. Hey, Sherry. Yes? What time is it? Meme of the week. Sherry. Sherry. <laughs> Remember these? There's man coin and bird coin. But they're the same coin. They just put them on the other side. Why would they do that? <laughs> we are living in hell. Don't they know birds aren't real? I just, I, <laughs> I just 
want you to know, by the way, this has nothing to do with anything. I laughed. I literally, I didn't type in LOL and text you. Right. I actually laughed out loud like a madman. <laughs> <laughs> you are you are a madman, Alan Mosley. <laughs> there's something there's something about the dire exasperation of the last two lines. <laughs> it just it just tickled me. So there you I've been tickled, ladies and gentlemen, and that's the meme you got. Um I guess we better answer some viewer mail. Let's do it. It's so intense. <laughs> Ketchup smoothies. Viewer mail. Uh, just by the way, I did ask Walter Block a uh, a food question. Yay! My so life. I live for those food questions. I'm not even kidding you. You're gonna have to wait until the very end of the interview for the food questions. There you go. Uh, Clay Davis writes, see, Clay, I feel like Clay shouldn't get a question if we dedicated the whole monologue to Clay. It's his birthday present. All right. <laughs> Dear Alan and Sherry, what was your best, most memorable live music experience? Sherry, what was your most memorable live music experience? Well, my dad was a musician, but I'm going to go with seeing Judas Priest uh, in 1992. <laughs> Because <laughs> I my my dad was a musician, but I'm gonna go with yeah. not him. I mean, actually, my family, um, growing up, we always had music at holidays. Like everybody would bring their guitars, and we would after meals we'd sing and and tell stories. You know, it was like he hee haw. You ever saw hee haw? Mm -hmm. That it was sort of like that. Um, and that's probably my my best live music experience. Uh, <clears throat> I really miss those those times. For the um. For the millennials and the Zoomer out there, there, Hee Haw was a show <laughs> where the Boogaloo Boys would get on TV and talk about the 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 good times coming. With so banjos. Yeah. Uh, Lal Durio asks, uh, dear Alan and Sherry, uh, since you answered my last, so he answered another question. I already answered it. Um, here's another. Do you wear only two masks or three? So. <laughs> So Lyle, I'm actually going to give you a serious answer to your question. Um, I have gone this entire just nightmare last 12 months having not worn a single mask a single time in my life. And and I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. It, it hasn't been easy. So virtuous. Um, I, I'm a real libertarian, guys. <laughs> I, guys, I'm a real libertarian. If... If you wore a mask a single time for any reason, even if you were sick... Um, you're, you're actually Pol Pot. <laughs> so there Where you do go. I learn Vietnamese? Yeah. Um, Andrew Avery writes, dear Alan and Sherry, not a pun, but what has been the effect of mask mandates on the ventriloquism industry? <sighs> you sure that wasn't supposed to be a pun? I feel, <laughs> or, or he's genuinely concerned about. Who's that one? Who's that one ventriloquist who's like still famous? He has like the terrorist guy and oh, the oh, old oh, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, on a stick. The guy, the guy that does the on a stick jalapeno yeah. guy and the little yeah, I forget his name. Rodney? No, that's Rodney yeah. Erickson. He does. Whoever it is, it's awful. And if you like that, you're literally Pol Pot. Oh, there's worse ones uh, than him. Uh, Rachel Watson Kennerly asked, "Dear Alan and Sherry, is it too late for me to submit a question?" Yeah, <laughs> that would be yes. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andrew Avery, do pilots appreciate the gravity of removing white privilege from mathematics? 
<laughs> okay. So, so for people at home that are like, what the hell happened to this show? So, b besides, besides being literally Hitler, Andrew makes puns. And what he's talking about, and this actually is a reference to a real thing. There, there was this educational foundation that, by the way, was being bankrolled by Bill Gates. Just throwing that out there. Hmm. That they were promoting these materials saying that the practice for look, of looking for a correct answer, like an objectively proven integer in mathematics, that's a relic of white supremacy. Right. Yeah. So, so that's a, so. This isn't even a joke. This is actually a right. real thing that's happening in the world right now. Yeah, yay yeah. us. But you know what the thing is though is that I was never, I never like math was always my least favorite subject. So that just goes to show how I was woke before way, right. <laughs> way before all the rest of you guys. So advanced. <clears throat> Thank you, uh, Adam Sikosin writes, dear Alan and Sherry, if you were magically appointed king or queen. Would you fix some things or immediately return the power to the people? Now, I, I'll answer. I'm, I'll, I'll let Sherry answer. This. I'm going to answer up front. I've I've been pretty clear on the show before that the reason you don't, guys you don't want to be like writing me in because if I by some crazy chance got elected, I'm dude. Like, right? Just it, it's going to take a while to to clean the walls. Is all I got to say. <laughs> um. I mean, we're going to be living in Allenville <laughs> one way or another. Allentown, Dude, like that Joel, Billy Joel song. You know how some, we've even said this on the show before, like, you know, if we've spent X number of years or decades living under bad policies or whatever, that, you know, it's re not that it would take literally a one for one, but it might take some time to reverse those policies. Right. I would reverse them on day one in so much as I would institute my policies. Mm. <laughs> So you're going to give the power right back to the people, aren't you, Sherry? Final well, I am the people's governor, as you know. Well, the uh, government is us, and we are right. the government. <laughs> well, I mean, I came in third place for governor of Tennessee in 2016, elected by the actual people. So, and I've not so you, used any of my power so far. So you weren't elected, is what you're saying. I'm saying the real people elected me. I, I like how you finished third. <laughs> Because you finishing third makes you as much the governor as the LP being the third biggest political party. Exactly. It kind of worked I'm out the that way. I'm people's governor. You're something. <laughs> you're, you're something. Jonathan Carranza writes, Dear Alan and Sherry, what is Tennessee's state gun? Ha ha ha. So I looked this up right before we... We do have a state gun. Yes. We, it used to be some other ancient historical relic, which is probably the more appropriate answer. We actually, I'm actually going to pull this up. We have a state gun, guys. It's the Barrett M82 sniper rifle is the official state rifle. You know what's great, by the way, is that a lot of... So a lot of states do have a state gun, and a lot of them are some sort of historical reference to their... Right. Air. like Flint like pennsylvania yeah yeah like <laughs> pennsylvania's is like the pennsylvania long rifle is their state gun ours is the barrett m82 so so barrett so barrett is meant so those weapons are manufactured in christiana which is right outside of murfreesboro here in tennessee so that's why by the way it's not like they just picked that one it's right, right. barrett's are made here and so that's why it's tennessee's official state rifle um so hot yeah i know right so so a <laughs> A fu funny little tidbit, uh, there was a single senator that voted against the measure to change the Tennessee state gun to the Barrett. 
and it was a Senator Jeff Yarbrough, a Democrat from Nashville. And now I know what you might be thinking. Well, he's a Democrat. He's anti-gun. That's why he did it. It's actually not true. So his reason was, is that he was concerned about the idea of having the state endorse a specific product from a private company. And that actually makes a lot of sense. It makes more sense than normal. So there you go. There you go. So, so Jonathan, I, we won't be derailed by your joke questions because we got, <laughs> we got joke answers in the state of Tennessee. Um, and finally, we only got uh, last couple ones. Um, oh, excuse me. Last one. Kim Brown writes, dear Alan and Sherry, if you could choose a ship to live on, would it be Voyager, Enterprise, <gasps> or Deep Space Nine? Oh my God. Oh, oh, this is a tough one. I'm you. Okay. This answer might surprise you, but I'm going to go with DS nine because they have a bar. Well, actually that doesn't surprise me because the correct answer is deep space nine. I mean, she didn't ask what the best show was because that's not the correct answer for what the best Trek is. Well, actually it is. Deep space nine is the correct. That is the correct answer. No. I, I'm the one that actually produces. I'm going to mute you. It's what I'm getting at. Um, so, so the correct answer is Deep Space Nine. No, I, when you said I'd be sir, I thought you were going to say Voyager. Oh God, no. what I was. I was. <laughs> Neelix would be the, going out an airlock. Oh, okay. it's. I was literally just about to ask you what's that? What's that one gay character nobody likes? Yeah. And you already said Neelix before I could even ask the question. I, I mean, that's why we're friends. Neelix. So I did think about quarks as being one, like, like we're going to put that on the brochure of why you should go to Deep Space Nine. Um, I actually also would pick Deep Space Nine because it's the only actual destination, whereas the other ones could, you could wind up in Borg space. Yeah. If you go, if you go on one of the other ones or you stay on Deep Space Nine where, where only the occasional hijink happens. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I tell you what. Walter is going to watch the front end of the show <laughs> to check out his interview. And what he's going to be like, what, d- what the hell did I do? <laughs> this wasn't like this when I was on the show before. And he's right. Too late now, Professor Block. <laughs> it's too late. That's the whole point. <laughs> Guys, we will be right back with Professor Walter Block right after this break. Don't go away. Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Email us at info at alanmosley.tv. Guys, welcome back to the program. We are joined again today for the second time on this show by the professor of libertarianism himself, Professor Loyal. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm glad you you smiled at that. And someone, by the way, who has more academic articles than all the rest of us combined. It's Walter Block. Walter, how are you doing? Good. Good to be with you again. My pleasure. 
Well, you know, I got to tell you, Walter, when you were last on the show and we talked about uh, no such thing as a market failing and that if Facebook went awry, the Schnoopelnet, as you put it, would come along and Schmoopelbook would, would replace Facebook. That was one of our most watched and listened episodes. So for, before we do anything, I got to thank you for Schmoopelbook and all the views. You're very kind. Thanks. My pleasure. Well, a, a topic that we've talked about on the program uh, just in the last couple of weeks is the, the proposal of a $15 federal minimum wage. And, and it's one of those things where um, bad ideas never seem to go away, right? Like that's, that's, that's one of the, the beautiful tragedies of politics, that a bad idea that doesn't make it can always be reintroduced, reintroduced, reintroduced uh, with each passing generation. So, so we, before, we, before we get into necessarily a debate about multiple bad options and which one is the least bad, give us a little bit of just a bird's eye overview for the layman of what's so wrong with raising the minimum wage. I mean, it hasn't been risen in years, right? And we're, everyone's just poor and starving. Well, it's not so bad to raise it. The, the problem is that it exists in the first place. Mm. Uh, we shouldn't have any minimum wage. See, a lot of people think that minimum wage is sort of like a floor under wages, and the higher it is, the higher wages are, and, and uh, minimum wage law raises wages. No, it doesn't raise wages. It's an unemployment law. It's not an employment law, and it's not a raise wage law. Uh, what it says is that if you get a job, then you, you have to be paid 15 an hour. But suppose you're only worth 10 an hour. Uh, suppose you're, uh, what I mean by worth 10 an hour is that when you're on the shop floor or in the factory or, or behind the counter, your employer's uh, receipts go up by $10 an hour. Mm -hmm. So he's happy to have you and uh, he'll be richer by $10 an hour, but he's got to pay you 15. You're not going to mm -hmm. hire you. You're not going to get any job. Minimum wage is not like a floor under undergirding wages and raising wages the higher it is. I mean, if it were, why stop at 15? Why not go to 150 an hour or 1500 an hour? I mean, we'd be rich. We could stop all foreign aid, just tell these poor countries, hey, look, you know, you're poor. Fine. Go raise your minimum wage. Make it 10,000 an hour. You'll be rich. I mean, this is this is uh, crackpot economics. This is nonsense. If you want a physical simile, a metaphor, uh, don't use a floor. Use a, uh, a hurdle or a high jump bar. Mm -hmm. You know what the world's record is in the high jump? Something like eight foot two. People can actually jump over a, a bar that's uh, eight foot two. Well, uh, now you have to jump over 15 an hour. Now, most people can jump over 15 an hour, but uh, unskilled workers, um, uh, workers who were discriminated against, say, uh, young ones or black uh, uh, employees, uh, they have a hard time jumping over 15 an hour. Uh, you know, uh, I know somebody uh, who's a little mentally handicapped and uh, his productivity is worth, oh, I don't know, $5 an hour. He can't get a job. Mm -hmm. Even at 725, he can't get a job. So the problem is not so much raising it or not raising it. The problem is it exists in the first place. Look, what determines wages is not employer generosity. Uh, the reason LeBron James makes a lot of money is not because his employer is very generous. Is oh, LeBron, we love you. We'll give you a lot of money. The reason I get a middle-class income is not because um, uh, they love me and say, well, we'll give you a middle-class income. And the reason that uh, a guy who pushes a broom or asks if you want fries with that gets that low salary is not because the um, employer is uh, a cheapskate. It all depends upon productivity. Productivity is the way to raise wages. And if you want to get your productivity increased, you should get a job. 
because a lot of productivity at that low level is showing up on time, being reliable, not fighting with the boss, not fighting with the customers. And if you can do that, you can be worth 15, 20 an hour. But you have to get that first job. And I suppose you're a black teenager. And by the way, the unemployment rate of blacks is uh, double the unemployment rate of whites. The unemployment rate of teenagers is double the unemployment rate of adults. The unemployment rate of black teenagers is quadruple the, the mm -hmm. rate of uh, middle-aged uh, white people. Uh, so they have a hard time getting that first job. Uh, you know, suppose some black kid uh, wants to get a job and nobody wants to hire him. You know, what he should do is go over to the employer and say, look, I know you don't trust me. Yak, yak, yak. You're prejudiced. Who cares? I'll work for you for nothing for a day. Give me a chance. It yeah. can't hurt you. And, and if you like what I do in the day, well, then you can offer me a job for the next day. But that would be illegal. Yeah. And uh, he could, the black kid could go to jail for that. Probably wouldn't because the, the powers that be would regard him as an exploited worker. But the employer who took him up on that, he could go to jail. Mm -hmm. Look, I right now offer you, um, uh, come wash my car. I'll give you $3 an hour. Now, if I was serious, I could go to jail for that. Can you yeah. imagine going to jail for making an offer? Now, look, you're not going to come work for me for $3 an hour. It's silly. But I've now opened your uh, horizons. I've opened your options. I haven't hurt you. Yeah. Look, here I have a pen. I'm now going to offer you this pen for a million dollars. You want to buy it? What? You don't want to buy a pen for a million dollars, you rotten kid? Well, have I hurt you? Uh, no, I've just offered you another option. It's true, it's a silly option, but I've offered you an option. But it's the same sort of a thing when I offered you the option of working for me for $3 an hour. There are some people whose productivity is $3 an hour. And, and without a minimum wage, they could get a job and then maybe uh, they could go up to $4 an hour and then up to $5 an hour, maybe up to $6 an hour uh, because they now have experience. But it's a minimum wage is sort of like cutting off the lowest rungs of the ladder. In order to get into the employment ladder, you now have to be 15 an hour, which is, you know, a serious amount of productivity. So what about the people, who, as I said before, what about the people whose productivity is 10 or 12? They will not get a job. Do, do we want mm -hmm. a situation where if your productivity is 10 or $12 an hour, no one wants to hire you? What's the benefit of that? Well, something that we discussed uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was this awesome article on fee that talked about effective minimum wage in different places. So while we wouldn't approve of, say, the state of California or the city of Seattle having a particular minimum wage, that's not as bad as a federal minimum wage because that because I mean, does anyone honestly look in the mirror and say, well, I'm sure that the economy in D.C. is exactly the same as in Arkansas? No, you're right. Uh, uh, a minimum wage will do more harm in certain places than in other places, but it will do harm everywhere mm -hmm. because everywhere there are unskilled workers. And, you know, uh, uh, these are the poorest people. These are the people that we should really um, consider. I mean, good public policy. Yes, it has to worry about the rich because if you screw them up, they become middle class. And yes, we have to worry about the middle class, too, because if you screw them up, they become poor. But if you mess around with the poor who are already poor and you screw around with them, well, then they're in very dire circumstances. Why pick on the weakest people? Yeah, uh, it's just uh, horrendous. 
Well, so so speaking of that, talking about kind of the, the most vulnerable, most disenfranchised people. Now, a lot of people who are proponents of a minimum wage, which, by the way, there's a lot of people that s- support a minimum wage that, that won't affect them. Like, they're not making minimum wage, so it's not necessarily... Uh, you know, self-serving, they, they're, they're bleeding heart tights that they, they see people who are not as well off as themselves. And they think to them, well, I want to help those people. I want those people to have a better lot in life. I want the, the inequality between where they are on the economic ladder and where I am to be closed. Now that might be virtuous, good intent. But, but I, 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 not only do I suspect that you, that you don't see it that way necessarily, but also I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, something I believe you mentioned recently, which is if you, if you want to help people, then just help them. Well, if you want to help people, uh, leave them alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's too much helping going on. You know, the, the, the thesis that you offer that the rich people want to help the poor people, that's one uh, uh, plausible hypothesis, and I'm sure it applies to some people, and those mm-hmm. people are economically illiterate. Mm-hmm. But then there's a more nefarious um, uh, purpose or function of the minimum wage, and that is um, uh, racism. I mean, uh, in, in South Africa, apartheid South Africa, the, the black people were getting jobs that the white people didn't want them to get. Mm-hmm. So in order to unemploy them, they uh, they boosted their minimum wage so it's, uh, it didn't pay to hire black people. A similar thing occurred uh, when Massachusetts wanted to have a minimum wage in the 30s. It was because black workers in the South were undercutting them. And one way to obviate the competition is to price them out of the market. Mm-hmm. You know, look, supp- suppose I hate you. And I say, well, no one should hire Alan unless you give him a million dollars a month. I like where this is going. Go ahead. No, no, no. No, uh, no one's going to hire you at twelve million a year. I'm assuming that your productivity is not twelve million a year. Uh, you know, and if it is, I'm making one hundred twenty. Am I helping you by saying nobody should hire you unless they pay you a million a month? The the people in Massachusetts purposely wanted to have a minimum wage in order to obviate the competition from black people in the South. Uh, this is, uh, those people were vicious and evil, Mm -hmm. but at least they were good economists. Whereas the modern uh, people like Bernie Sanders, I think he's a good guy. I went to high school with him. I was sort of his buddy. I really think he he is well-intentioned. I Mm -hmm. don't think he's trying to unemploy unskilled uh, black kids. I think he really thinks he's going to help them. So he's just economically ignorant. Those other people are economically sophisticated and vicious. Yeah. So either motivation uh, uh, accounts for, I think, 99.9% of the support for the minimum wage law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, something that I, I, I want to kind of broach, because uh, Walter, if there's something that you're particularly well known for, and we, and we love you for it, by the way, is, is being, being willing to discuss or debate um, two different bad options, right? Like two, it's it being willing to say that, well, look, I, you know, as a libertarian, I may be opposed to all these different options, but as a realist, I can say, but I'm only presented with two bad options. And I know you've made the analogy before that, well, if, if I have to be a slave and I have a master that's going to beat me once a day versus a master that would beat me once a week, it's, it's just, factual to prefer the master that would only beat me once a week because it's a terrible option, but it's a better option. So, so what do you say to people that would say, well, if the two options presented were, we were going to raise a federal minimum wage to $10, $15, $20 an hour, 
or we were going to have something akin to a UBI where everyone or people making under a certain amount of money would be guaranteed you know, we would turn on the printing presses and we would just cut checks to those people to to counterbalance the economic inequality. Now, I, I think I think it goes without saying to our audience, those are both terrible ideas. But if you had to choose between the ideas, which ones would you choose? Well, I'm going to wiggle out of it. And I'm going <laughs> to no. wiggle out this way. Yes, wiggle. <laughs> I'm good at wiggling. Watch me wiggle. <laughs> See, I'm wiggling. It all depends upon the level. Mm-hmm. If you have UBI at a dollar a year, mm-hmm. not so bad. What the heck? A <laughs> dollar a year? Sure. Not, I mean, it's still bad. It, it sets precedence. It might be raised. It's very bad. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you had a minimum wage of a penny an hour, yeah, that you had to be paid a, a penny an hour, mm-hmm. that wouldn't be so bad either. I mean, it's not good. I don't favor it. Uh, you know, suppose somebody's only worth a half a penny an hour, and, and and it sets up a very bad precedent. Sure. So it really depends upon what level it's set. You really can't say, this is my way of wiggling. Mm-hmm. You can't say, um, well, which is worse. It depends upon, uh, I mean, if, if you make it 100000 a year UBI, that's very bad. And if you make it twenty five an hour minimum wage law, it's very bad. It's sort of like saying, well, uh, which is worse, uh, zoning or rent control? Sure. Or which sure. is worse, tariffs or regulation on stocks or something? I mean, it's really hard uh, to answer that. Uh, each one is worse than the other is one possibility. Mm-hmm. And the other, the, the way I'm wiggling out of this is it depends upon what the level you set it at. Mm-hmm. Should we have a, a, an income tax? Okay, let's have an income tax of 0.001%. By the way, the way they started the income tax was 1%. And everyone said, well, not so bad. And then it crept up. Sure. But assuming that it's not going to creep up, an uh, uh, income tax of 1%, I would prefer than, uh, say, a um, uh, uh, minimum wage of 20 an hour. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, an uh, income tax of 50% is worse than a minimum wage of um, $0.05 cents an hour. So uh, I hate to wiggle, but what you're really asking is, you know, I have two children. You might as well say, well, which one do you love more? <laughs> I don't like those kind of questions. <laughs> well, I, I think I, I think if I if I'm going to play devil's advocate, uh, you know, we, we can we can try to nail down the numbers of uh, I, I feel like a lot of people who specifically like, well, why do they say 15? I feel like a lot of people are saying 15 because just just to do some rough math, they're thinking, well, if you work 40 hours a week and you work 50 weeks a year and you're making $15, you know, we want people say to make $30,000 a year. That's that's what's going to be our new base poverty level is $30,000 a year is. And then let's say, you know, the proponents of UBI were saying, well, we can we can have UBI and we can just turn on the printing press and and cut people checks and make sure that they're making $30,000 a year. Now, I know that there's a lot of questions, not only pressive, there's questions of economic incentive in there of if you could get a check to get you up to 30,000, you would work less thinking you would still get a check to get to 30,000. But and, 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 and 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 I don't want to gloss over those questions, but I feel like some people would say, the minimum wage is particularly harmful. So for not not only is it harmful to the prospective employee for the reasons you've documented, but it's also harmful to the prospective, you know, small business and mom and pop type employer that they they are just not capable of but you're passing the buck to them, right? Like we want people to make more money, so we're going to make you pay for it as opposed to 
the government cut them a check. Now I know the government has no money and we're all going to pay for it in the end, but it's, it's, uh, but I, 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 I want to put a little bit of a spotlight on the particular small business person and sort of that concept of, well, Amazon already pays their employees $15 an hour and, and good on them for voluntarily doing it. But I know a lot of corner markets owned by locals that, that don't pay $15 an hour. And if you told them they had to, they'd be closing tomorrow. I, I don't think so. I, I think that the minimum wage law is much more of a, a vicious attack on unskilled workers than it is on mom and pop uh, restaurants or grocery stores. Um, I, I think that what will happen with the uh, mom and pop uh, restaurants uh, is uh, they'll go to self-serve. Uh, and namely, they'll stop with the waitress and they'll, and they'll say, you, you have to clean your own table mm -hmm. and, and you come over to the counter and you order and we're not having any waitresses because you have to pay the waitress too much. And uh, instead of uh, three dishwashers with a mediocre dishwashing machine, we're going to have one dishwasher with a much better dishwashing machine. It's sort of like when they raised the minimum wage law from 40 to 75 cents in the 30s. Before that, you go into an elevator and there's a guy standing there. He's not a pervert. He's the elevator operator. We had manually operated elevators. Mm -hmm. Well, then what happened um, uh, with mom and pop um, uh, high rises or low rises, six story buildings or whatever, uh, they, they just fired him and put in automatic elevators. It didn't really hurt. It hurt them a little bit. I, I don't deny that. But I don't think the main impetus, uh, uh, harmful impetus is on uh, the mom and pop uh, supermarket, the mom and pop restaurant, the mom and pop uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think what they'll just do is um, uh, get out of the suddenly more expensive factor of production and into cheaper, relatively cheaper ones. Look, I'm now building rowboats. And I can build them out of plastic, out of metal, or out of wood. And all of a sudden, the government taxes plastic. Mm -hmm. Plastic is evil. Well, make rowboats out of um, uh, um, you know, wood or, or metal. Uh, it'll hurt me a little bit because uh, if I were making wooden rowboats before, now I can't make them. So it, it precludes me a little bit. So, yes, it'll hurt them a little bit. And all too many people focus on that. Mm -hmm. I, I think that the, the main um, negative impetus of the minimum wage is not so much on, on the employer. It's on the employee who never gets a job. Mm -hmm. Now, with, with regard to this, um, you're a vicious fellow. Um, I, don't, I don't like you. <laughs> uh, trying to push me around, you bully you. Uh, uh, namely, uh, a minimum wage law that'll create 30000 a year for those who still have a job mm -hmm. versus... Uh, Thirty thousand, we just give it to them. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I really don't know how to answer that question. It, it's sort of, you know, uh, which would I rather be done? Uh, be punched in the nose or have my knee whacked by by a baseball bat? Well, it depends on how hard it was, and and if it hurt the same amount. Well, I don't know. I guess I need my knee more than my nose. I'm not sure about that. This is an empirical issue, and and I don't see the benefit of of the question. Uh, namely, they're both evil. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the important thing is to demonstrate to your audience that they're both evil and vicious and nasty and not so much which is worse. You know, which is worse, a tariff of 15 uh, percent or or more EPA regulations? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, I think and, and I, 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 I never think about those questions. So I'm a poor person to ask <laughs> about that. 
Well, I think that a lot of people in, in, you know, not, not to sound too pessimistic, but I think a lot of people say that it just, it, it seems inevitable. It, it seems like there's, it's, it's hard to tailor public opinion against something that is, that is so well received. It's, it's it kind of falls into the same category of, well, if we, if we name our bill COVID relief and a lot of people really want uh, economic stimulus because uh, the the lockdowns have been bad. And then of course you can then turn around and stuff all all manners of government spending into that bill that you normally wouldn't be able to pass individually, but you can pass under the guise of COVID relief. I feel like a lot of people would say it just it just seems like the dam is going to break and there's nothing I can do about it because you're just going to have an increasing number of people who. Uh, they, they feel, you know, they, they feel like they're undervalued, underappreciated. They want, they want more money for the, the economically challenged. Uh, they, they, they see inflation and they feel like their spending power is going down and they feel like, well, I can't do anything about inflation, but I can vote for people that are going to pass a higher minimum wage. And so there's, there's like a certain inevitability to it. I mean, do you, do you feel like that, 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 that that's a reasonable view to have that? Well, it just, it seems like they're going to continue to propose these things until they get their way. I'm going to shoot you either in the right leg or in the left leg. Which one do you want me to shoot you in? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get that, but they're, but, but they're going to, but they're going to continue loading the gun though. I mean, it's, 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 okay, it's, so we, so we have to argue about against shooting people in the leg, whether it's the right leg or the left leg really doesn't matter. Well, I, I, I I'm, I mean, you know, if you said uh, you're going to amputate my left arm and my right arm, well, I'm a righty, so I'd probably rather keep my right. But when it comes to feet, I'm not right-footed or left-footed. You know, I, mm-hmm. I mean, in soccer, some people are right-footed and some people are left-footed, but I don't play soccer. I just walk around. So I'm indifferent between my right leg and my left leg. I don't want you to shoot either of my legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but to go into detail about which leg would I rather have shot or which arm would I rather lose or uh, you're going to cut off one of my ears, which ear you're going to cut off? Mm-hmm. I'd rather discuss, well, it's not good to cut off people's ears. It's not good to shoot people in the leg. Not good to amputate their arms against their will. Now, if they have cancer and you got to remove an arm, okay. But, uh, uh, you know, which leg would you rather have the cancer in that I think that that's it's a question I'm not really comfortable with and I appreciate where you're coming from uh, but I regard you as a bully <laughs> a, a talented one I mean yeah you did a good job in, in trying to get me to answer the question but I'm I'm trying to wiggle out of this well, for I, reasons I've given yeah I uh, know I mean I understand completely and and again I mean our our audience is going to be opposed to any type of economic measures uh, such as that I, I I think where a lot of people again I I've I feel like a lot of people's concern is, is that, well, if, if I decide to run for office and, and the first speech I give is, is I oppose my opponent who wants to raise the minimum wage because I think it should be zero. I've lost the election. It's over. I've lost the election. So how do you, how do you, how do you deal with that politically then? Well, that's roughly what the Libertarian Party stands for. I mean, any Libertarian who said that uh, he favors a raise they're now Republican uh, guys. I think uh, what's his name from Arkansas, mm-hmm. um, uh, Tom Cotton, yes. and also um, they uh, yes. said, "Well, let's raise the minimum wage law to 10. Mm-hmm. Well, ten is better than fifteen. It, it unemploys fewer people, but you know, the Libertarian Party, I think, would say, "Let's not have minimum wage at all." And and if we get our usual one or two percent of the votes, so be it, because we're trying to educate people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
On the other hand, if you say, well, I'm against welfare, um, uh, you'd lose the vote also. You know, it's our mm-hmm. job to, con- what did they say, win the hearts and minds of the people? Yeah. And the way we win the hearts and minds of the people, I don't think, is by distinguishing between welfare and UBI, mm-hmm. which is a form of welfare, on the one hand, and um, minimum wage on the other. I think we uh, win the hearts and minds of the people by saying that both are wrong. So I've spent a lot of time on why minimum wage is wrong. Let me just talk a minute or two about UBI. Okay. UBI is wrong because you take money from the rich and you give it to the poor. What's wrong with that? Well, the rich start to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bjorn Borg, a famous tennis player of a previous generation, was faced with 110% income, uh, marginal income tax. Mm-hmm. Namely, if he makes an extra million, they'll, they'll charge him a million point one. Yeah. So he's minus 100,000. So he left Sweden. He went to Monaco. Yeah. Gerard Depardieu, a uh, French actor, Famous actor, a good actor. Uh, they uh, France had a very high uh, marginal tax rate in order to help uh, welfare. He went to Russia, so uh, rich people start leaving. They're leaving New York City, New York State, in droves and going to Florida because Florida has lower taxes. They're leaving California and going to Texas or uh, Arkansas for for similar uh, Arizona. I meant uh, for similar reasons. So one problem with that is you take the you know, you try to pluck the golden goose and the golden goose runs away. The second problem is the poor. Uh, I'm going to give you money if you're poor. And if you get a good job, and I'm not going to give you the money. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, you now have an incentive to stay poor and not to work hard. Well, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not cool. Yeah. So these are, are – uh, and then there's another reason. Um, um, the black family, uh, you know, they say that if you put a, a frog in, in boiling water, its metabolism is such that it jumps right out. Yeah. But if you put the frog in cold water and you heat it up slowly, the frog sits there and, and gets boiled. Well, slavery was like um, boiling water for the black family. It, it, of course, it disrupted the black family during slavery because the mother was sold here, the father was sold there. But in the aftermath of slavery, uh, the, black, the f- black family was strong enough to coalesce. I did research in 1900 and 1910, and the rate of family formation of both was about the same. Uh, in the 1870s and 1880s, there were ads in the paper, Mary, where are you? Uh, this is Joe, your husband. Let's get together. Mm-hmm. And they got together. However, uh, LBJ in uh, 1965 with his great society uh, started shoving money down the pregnant girl's throat, giving her more money in welfare and UBI and all than the father of her child uh, giver. And, uh, you know, there was no man in the house. And uh, three quarters of black kids are now uh, brought up without um, uh, two family. Uh, two parents. And it's not just a black thing. It's a white thing also. In Sweden, they did that and they ruined the family there. Uh, before 1965, the white family, it was very rare that, that kids were brought up without two uh, parent household. Now it's, I think, one third of white kids. The only reason the black people were more vulnerable is they were poorer. So they're more vulnerable to you know, a given amount of money stuffed down their throat. So this ruined the black family and, and the white family. And, and we know that um, uh, a father in the house is very important. Kids who are brought up without a father are more likely to be criminals, more likely to commit suicide, more likely to be unemployed. Yak, 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 yak. So what I'm trying to do now, uh, we spent the first half of this, why the minimum wage law is no good. Well, now I'm trying to say that the other isn't so good either. Actually, the other is very bad. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there was some black conservative who wrote a book, uh, White Liberals Leave Us Alone or, or, you know, Stop Trying to Help Us. Yeah. Uh, well, these are two yeah. ways. 
Uh, do you know the author of that? Well, are, are you uh, thinking about uh, uh, Black Rednecks, White Liberals by Thomas Sowell? Right. Uh, somebody else, but Thomas yeah. Sowell is certainly uh, one of those Oreo cookies. You know, he's not really authentically black because all blacks are supposed to be socialist, mm-hmm. and he's obviously not socialist. So even though he looks black, he's not really black. And uh, Clarence Thomas and a whole bunch of uh, black, uh, very good black conservatives and libertarians. So uh, both of these uh, uh, programs are very bad, are very uh, harmful. And you're right, the, the electorate is such that if you announce you're against welfare, and or you're against the minimum wage, you're losing. Yeah. Okay, so do it anyway. Uh, and hopefully you won't get canceled and you'll be able to at least speak. Mm-hmm. And then we'll try to convert a few people. Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned, so I, I had read that uh, Tom Cotton and and Mitt Romney proposing a $10 minimum wage. And it's, it's, it's such a, it's, it, I mean, I'm not surprised that those two gentlemen in particular would do that, but that it, it says something about uh, party politics uh, and it's and it's something that I echo as well, that if you're I understand someone that would say, well, I'm going to support the GOP over the LP because they have a better chance to win. But the other side of that coin is, is that but if the GOP is just doing all of the exact same policies that I disagree with that, say, the Democrat Party is, they're just trying to do it in a somewhat more tame way. But they're opening the door to all of these evils that we've discussed. Then what good are they as an opposition party? Well, you know, I, I I have a slightly different view on that. Um, when Hillary uh, was running against uh, Donald, I started with uh, several colleagues of mine, um, Libertarians for Trump. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. idea was that Hillary would be worse than Donald, and I think um, Biden will be worse than uh, Donald would have been for a second term. Mm-hmm. And the idea mm-hmm. was, if you're a libertarian and it's a red state like uh, Louisiana, where Donald doesn't really need your vote, he's going to win easily, yeah. vote for the libertarian. Or if you're in California or Massachusetts, where um, uh, Donald is going to lose, well, uh, you know, don't vote for Donald anyway. He's going to lose. Vote for the Libertarian. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a purple state like, um, I don't know, Pennsylvania or uh, uh, maybe Virginia or uh, Wisconsin, which could go either way, then, you know, then vote for, for Donald. Don't vote for the Libertarian because, my God, uh, uh, we want the uh, slave master who will beat us once uh, uh, a month better than the one who will beat us every hour. Sure. And Hillary and, and Joe Biden are going to beat us up every hour, whereas Donald will only beat us up once a week or once a month. So that way we can sort of have our cake and eat it. We can promote liberty. And yet uh, we don't want to have a suicide pact here. And, and um, uh, Hillary and, and um, Joe Biden are suicidal for, for the for the economy. Look, it's really been great. Mm-hmm. I promised you a half hour. <laughs> We're about at the half hour program. So um, point in the program. So please invite me again. It's always a pleasure. And I'm sorry I called you a bully. <laughs> you know, I was I was just uh, teasing. No, you. that's that's perfectly uh, so, fine. That's that's that, I mean, I, I enjoy uh, guests that are, are willing to to berate me live on national television. Uh, Walter, Walter, let, let us get you out of here on this one. The last time you hear, okay. I asked you if a hot dog was a sandwich. We've, we've evolved beyond such mere questions. <laughs> is, is cereal, which would be a bowl of cereal with the milk poured in, is cereal soup? <laughs> 
let me answer it in this way. Okay. If there are any young people in high school that are thinking of going to college, come study with me at Loyola University and we'll give you a lot of soup and we'll give you a lot of um, um, uh, breakfast cereal. And also we'll give you a lot of free enterprise, not just me, but I have several colleagues who are all Austro-Libertarians. So if you're thinking of that or if you have children or grandchildren that are about to go to college or if they're in a college and they don't much like it because all their professors are pinkos, come to Loyola University, New Orleans, and we'll give you a lot of soup. On that note, guys, I, I I hereby rename Walter Block the Wiggler, and and that is what he'll be <laughs> henceforth known on this program. Walter, thank you so much for being on the show. We will definitely have you back, hopefully, to talk about some other topics that maybe are a little bit more uh, more positive outlook than this one. Uh, guys, thanks for having me. It's, it's a pleasure. Guys, we will be right back after this break. Don't go away. Hi guys, it's Alan here, and I want to take a moment to let you know about one of our supporters who started a new business. Laura Moreau sells 50 different health and wellness all-natural products, from weight loss, supplements, energy enhancers, body toning, longer and stronger hair, and so much more. Do you like coffee? Well, they even have coffee that'll help you drop some pounds. And who doesn't want to drop a few pounds? Go check her out at her online store at lauramoreau.itworks.com today. That's lauramoreau.itworks.com. Like our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash TV. You can follow me on Twitter. It's Twitter at TV. Subscribe to our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash TV. Guys, also remember, I'm now on Odyssey. It's odyssey.com slash at TV. Don't just complain about wanting a fresh, decentralized, free speech platform. Go out and join one. Odyssey.com at TV. Sherry, do you have any final thoughts? I'm going to go get some soup. I'm going to go get some. I'm going to get some Fruit Loop soup. Fruit Loops. Do you like Fruit Loops? I do. All right, I like Fruit Loops as well. On that note, you will not be physically removed from our anarchist commune, but you guys won't be either. As long as you rejoin us next week. Guys, thank you so much, and we will see you next week. <laughs>